Every civilization must contend with an unconscious force which can block, betray, or countermand almost any conscious intention of the collectivity. Telaxu Theorem Unproven Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we are reading Dune Messiah by Frank Herbert, and we're talking about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. All right. So, here we go. I just want to say thank you to everyone who is currently watching us live. If this is your first time, we see you. Congratulations. You made it. This is just a really, this is, we're giving a round of applause here. This is, this is a big deal. Thank you for listening through all of our uh, chapters and commenting and going through this journey with us. And now you're here live. So thank you. Um, first of all, Evan, yes. real fast. What did you think about this quote? Oh, it was uh, cryptic as always. Yeah, this is going to be Telaxu 101. Can you yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> okay, it took me like seven reads to finally try to figure out what he was trying to say here. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and it's an unproven theory from the Telaxu, so they're just talking. Every civilization must contend with an unconscious force. Okay, every people group must fight against this unforeseen thing, which will block sure. you, betray you, and go against all the conscious effort that you ever had in the whole group. There's always this resistance that you have to fight through. I think that's what they're saying. Uh-huh. That's it. Um, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Let's move on from there. because <laughs> I think we'll see that in this chapter a little bit. There's this... There's this thing that I'm thinking about specifically Chani at this point is trying to break through and can't. Right. And all these forces are against her. And it's just, this is going to be a really sad chapter for her (laughs) and for all of us. And speaking of sad chapters, we are in Dune Messiah, so there's going to be a lot of them. Um, You have a package that was mailed to you, Evan. That's not sad. Is that sad? No, no, no. This is a sad package? (laughs) This is not a sad package. No, 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 no. Um, this is a good package and I was requested that you open it live on camera. So at the, at the behest, the request of the people, the collective, (laughs) please open your package. Now that sounded weird to say, please open the gift that was given. Open the gift that was given. Are we going to, do we say who is, who it's from? It's from our good friends, Jim and Anna, who have been with us from the very beginning. And this idea came to them when um, Evan's opening the package as I'm narrating here. When I said that Evan might need something to to help soothe the pain of Paul. Soothe the pain? That is coming. And what is it as he pulls it out slowly? Uh, 
Look at this guy. What is it? It's a big old, it's a big old maker, son. <laughs> He's so cute. Oh, well. Now, now Evan has a plushy little maker Look to hold him. and caress as he realizes what's happening. Oh, there's a card. Anna says, read the card. Oh, read the card. Yeah, yeah. You guys are funny here in the right, chat. Come here. Come here. Albert says, win is a gift, not a gift. Glass <laughs> <laughs> A says, what's in the box? I think it's appropriate. Okay. All right. Do oh, I read no. the whole card? Uh, Anna, does he read the whole card? Wait, the card or the, the letter? The card, I think I'm reading. I hope, I hope so. Oh, tight. What is it? Oh, it's a little drawing of Look a little that. sandworm. Well, shy halud there for you. <laughs> it says, uh, it says you have worm sign. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a disease, Anna. <laughs> no, it's when the worm is coming. You got to check for worm sign. <laughs> you got worm sign, buddy. Thank you. Bless the maker in his water. Oh, this is, this is real cute. The card is from the maker of the worm. The maker of the worm. I love it. This is all great. <laughs> I know that's just what you wanted was your own little sandworm. Look at his look at his mouth. Look at all them teeth. There's a lot of teeth in there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Love it. Let's do this. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. she says read the letters. There's letters. The letters? Yeah. Out loud. Who made Anna Van Loon a producer on the Reading Dune podcast? <laughs> she's a she's a Patreon member, so I guess she has these rights. Yeah, she's she's, good, she's giving us money. She can tell us what to do. Um, executive producer, I think, is what that's called. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, dear Evan, as the elder Bene Gesserit of this motley crew that we call Reading Dune, I felt that it was necessary to send you a gift to get you through Dune Messiah. What I <laughs> Everyone is here to watch me get hurt, apparently. <laughs> I hope this brings you comfort and a smile. You're going to need it? <laughs> oh, then it says, bless the maker and his water. Bless the coming and going of him. May his passage cleanse the world. May mm. he keep the world for his people. May he also be snuggly. We can yes. add that now, too. <laughs> With love and mirth, Anna. Thank you, Anna. You're great. This is amazing. Wow, wow, wow. He's going to use it as a neck pillow now. Yeah. <laughs> For what's about I'm going to be happen. on airplanes with him. <laughs> <laughs> you won't. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Let's dive in. Let's, let's dive do it. in. Let's do it. You ready? Let's do it. Yeah. So you just read the chapter. I did. Who's in this chapter? Um, Paul, Chani, and Irulan. That's mm -hmm. it, right? There's no right. one else. Nobody else. Yeah. You got it. You read the right chapter. Good job. <laughs> this is where we get, in full display, we get to see the awkward love triangle that is happening. Yeah. Between the three of them. So this is a Paul chapter. We finally mm -hmm. made it. It took us a while, but we're here. Even better, we have a Paul and Chani chapter. Oh, yeah. Which is going to well, show us their relationship? That's what we've all we've all been waiting for. Really, though, 
Least always wanna, the whole see. the whole time both books that's all i want to see is them two together and that's it no other chapters i want i just want this to be a romantic comedy between paul and paul and johnny and that's it you did read the chapter that's funny okay all right so it's nighttime in Arakeen, and paul has just come in from a nighttime stroll through the city yeah so in his full still suit, hood on, he looks just like any desert Fremen. So this is the only way that he can be normal at all. And so, of course, he enjoyed this time way too much, <laughs> took way too long, and caused everyone to worry. <laughs> he tosses his boots in the corner and starts to unstrap his still suit. His body ached, his mind still whirling. He now stood naked in the room. So now we can just imagine that real fast. All right, keep power going. power move. <laughs> when you're nope. when you're the emperor, who's also a god, yeah, that's what you can do. You just be naked. What's <laughs> anyone gonna do? So he feels the green rug under his feet, thinking about how he <clears throat> felt free on the street as he passed pilgrims and shops. Green. Okay, I got an email today. Um, from a girl, I think I can pull it up here. I think her name is Hannah. I want to say, I want to do it right before I say it live here on the show. She wrote us saying how she watched Dune the movie, mm-hmm. became obsessed with it, Fair enough. Read, right? Like the rest of us, uh, read the book and then found the podcast, binged the podcast just as we finished, started Messiah. So she's like all in. Oh, cool. Um, she says, uh, yeah, she was funny. Um, she was while driving to college back and forth. And so I had I happened to say on one podcast, if you're listening to this while driving to college, this is for you. This is actually for her. And she's like, whoa, that's really weird. Um, but she has a theory about the color green and how we rarely see it mentioned mm. in the book. And you really do think about it. We don't really see green at all that much. Because there's that thing about whenever yellow pops up, it means danger. Yeah. yeah. Um, she didn't share with me though what green was about so we'll have to find out later oh okay she just said there's something <laughs> there's something with green yeah but she Thanks didn't want to get for the show <laughs> i said i would quote her if she told me what it was but now i quoted her uh um... <laughs> and didn't and she <laughs> and didn't, didn't tell you you just you just got suckered into that but yep all right here we go so <laughs> when he was walking outside there's there's little to no danger right the only danger that can come from to him is um, if anybody from the old CH sees him, right? They either recognize him by his walk or right. as how he smells or his eyes. So right. he's perfectly fine to walk like this. A swoosh of the door hangings and light broke his, the silence. Johnny comes in with his coffee service on a platinum tray. She was followed by two glow globes, which illuminated the space. There was something about the way she bent over the coffee, preparing it, that reminded Paul of their first days together. <laughs> Evan, uh, before we started, you did remark how this this book is full of sexual tension, and it's I think that's, there's it's a lot, lot of, that. of sexual tension. <laughs> that's it, right? Johnny there. put the coffee down. Paul saw some boobies. That's just he's just. It's like hmm, I remember that first night. Oh, this, the good old days. The spice orgy for the first time <laughs> when we became one. He's so bad. <laughs> Her features remained darkly elfin, seemingly unmarked by their years together. He's totally in love. 
Steam swafted from the pot as she lifted the lid. The coffee pot was a Gehemma, a spoil of war. This is important. We need to know this. Marker, right? A Gehemma is a spoil of war. That was He won it by killing Jameis, who was the last owner. And Jameis had oddly earned immortality by dying this way. We are all a friend of Jameis. Poor Jameis. Johnny pulled out of the cup saying, it'll only be a moment. Paul wondered if she saw him as still this pale off-worlder. He looked down at his own body, hard, slender muscles, a few more scars, <laughs> but more or less the same despite being 12 years as emperor. He looked up and caught his reflection in the mirror. So Paul was 18 when he, he was 15 when he showed up to Arrakis. Yeah. 18 when he became emperor. Yeah. So now he is 30. Good times. Yeah. I still wish like I looked like I was 18 when I was 30, but you know, <laughs> you need to get some more spice to help down, balance this out. The only difference really that Paul could tell was his deep blue within blue Fremen eyes. He could still see parts of his father and his grandfather in his face, that sharp Atreides nose. There, his grandfather's words rang in his head. Once, one who, well, one who rules assumes an irrevocable responsibility for the ruled. You are a husbandman. This demands at times a selfless act of love, which may only be assumed to those you rule. Which may only be amusing. Amusing. Sorry. Can you read that sentence? Read that sentence for me. Uh, well, okay. One who rules assumes irrevocable responsibility for the ruled. You are a husbandman, which is, that's a new word. Um, I'm going to tell my wife, I'm a husbandman. <laughs> are you? This, demand, <laughs> this demands at times a selfless act of love, which may only be as amusing to those you rule. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a husbandman is some, so the word husband or husbandry, right? Is someone yeah. who takes care of livestock. Okay. They're, they take care of the farm. They're in charge. Make sure the horses get fed and make sure everything's, everything's good on the farm. Mm -hmm. So the ones who rule, <laughs> Yeah, Barbara over here roasting us in the live comments how we can't read. It's okay. We're not perfect. Oops. We just like Dune. So when you assume this role to take care of everyone and you assume headship, this means that you're going to do selfless acts. And Paul remembering this also remembers how his grandfather was adored by the people. His grandfather took them from an agricultural society to the to the high ranks and like made the whole planet prosper now paul wonders what he's done to the atreides name do people still love him the way he loved his grandfather he thinks i've loosed the wolf among the sheep as he remembers the atrocities carried out in his name he was awakened from his trance by the sound of chani saying into bed now he obeys. Bam. Uh, this is where I said insert marital scene between Paul and Johnny. Well, he <laughs> describes the room for some reason. 
Tell um, me something good. <laughs> Paul ends up describing the whole room and then ends up looking at the poison snooper above the table. And it angers him because back in the day at Stjetstabar, there was no need for poison snoopers, right? That was one of the first things he noticed once they got there. There was no need for any of that. Yeah. But now they're here, they're emperor, and there's constant threat of danger all the time. Coffee's ready. Are you hungry? Said Chani. And, but Chani could see Paul's anger just at this whole situation as she pours the coffee. She then sits down at the foot of the bed, rubbing the knots out of Paul's legs where his still suit was. And then after all, the co- after all that, Chani begins the conversation she really wants to have. Let's discuss Irulan's desire for a child. Just gonna dive right in. Just, just gonna, yeah. Go straight for it. Well, they, she did. She made him coffee, so <laughs> that should at least give him something. <laughs> Paul's eyes snapped wide open, studying Johnny's face. Irulan's been back for Wallach less than two days. Has she been at you already? So this is two days after her. That that last chapter we were yeah. at. Johnny says how her and Paul have not openly discussed Irulan's frustrations. Paul then forced his mind into mental alertness in like a weird Bene Gesserit Mentat way and examining every little thing about her face. But he didn't like doing this with her. Right. He likes it that he didn't have to do that with her most of the time. Right. There was this sense of trust, but now after twelve years, and and we'll get yeah okay I won't get it we'll get on we'll move on okay 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 Johnny, okay. Johnny maintained her fremen sense of good manners. She cared about her the position of her man, his strength in the council, the loyalty of his legions, the abilities and the talents of his allies. She knew everything there was to know about strategy, economy, industry, every weakness of of every enemy. So Paul wondered. Why does she bother asking about Irulan? Johnny can see how she's angered Paul with her question. She says it's not her intention to upset him, but if he's angry, she, he should be able to show her. Paul sank back against the headboard saying, shall I put her away? Her use is limited now, and I don't like what I sense from her trip to the sisterhood. Johnny refuses to have Paul put her away, quote-unquote, yeah. as, she, as she continues to rub out the knots in his legs. Chani says, You've said many times, she's your contact with our enemies, that you can read their plans through her actions. Which is pretty smart. Because, okay, Irulan is uh, B'nai Gesserit, like she's trained. Yeah. But she's not, like, that good, it seems. <laughs> well, right? I mean, she's a... Uh... Yeah, she's trained. She has all the training to be the next empress, to continue on the line. Right, 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 she's right, high, right. She's got all the high training. She's just she's just not that good at the Bene Gesserit part of the gig, is what yeah. it seems. Right. So the Bene Gesserit have lots of um, like places you can be. So there are like Reverend yeah. Mothers. They have the Missionary Protectiva teachers. They yeah. have people that breed like lady jessica like like wana and like she's just in one of these categories where her job is to pretty much just be 
a sexual icon that plots. Cool. But I'm saying, I'm saying all this because like Paul, despite her efforts at being sneaky, can just like read what she's going oh, through, you know? Yeah. Or like what she's, what she's thinking. And so she thinks she's being sneaky, but she's actually giving him everything that his enemies are doing. Right. Okay. It's like, keep your enemies closer is what she is. Like, don't let them go too far. We want them in the room so I can see what they're doing. Right. Like, like Paul likes to have her in the council to listen to her and then do the opposite. Yeah. Like, I right, just right, want right. to, I just want to know. So yeah, that's what's going on. And I can't, uh, where am I here? Um, and I can't imagine what Chani's going through at all because Irulan, right? Irulan just needs one night with Paul. Not even one night. Like, right. Moments. Yeah, because she's still a B'nai Jesuit, so she can do her, do her, do her magic, magic woman y things and, yeah. and, and, and like conceive like that, like within yeah. a moment. So she only needs moments with Paul where Johnny, who has been with him for 12 years, can't have a baby. And I, I can't imagine the pressure she's under to well, in, in feeling that. It's because of Irulan's sneakiness. Right, but she doesn't is know that, that. Is that particular sneakiness like like Paul's not real, not noticing it? Yeah, no one's noticed yet. Okay. Because because Paul says it right here, like, uh, oh, we, we'll we, we'll keep going because he's about to say it. Okay, okay, all right. So Chani's like, why do we ask about her desire for a child? What does it matter what she wants, right? Chani says, if Irulan were to become pregnant, then that may be make Irulan vulnerable to their enemies, right? Which may switch her allegiance. They can kind of flush things out. But Paul can really start to see what's happening. Softly, he tells Chani, Chani, beloved, I swore an oath never to take her into my bed. A child would give her too much power. A child mm -hmm. for her would mean your death. You know the plotting of this place. But Chani husked, but you must have an heir. Chani was, that's the thing. Chani was thinking Paul's got to have an heir, and if she couldn't do it, Irulan would be the obvious next best choice. Mm-hmm. And it had to be done as an act of love or the, the normal Old Testament way of making babies because there's a strong taboo against the artificial way of making life. Okay. Like we're about to find, like that's why the Bene Gesserit do what they do their way versus the Telaxu who do it a very right. different way. So artificial like, like test tube babies or like through deceit? And manipulation. Mm. Probably the first one. There's probably okay. lots of deceit going on. Okay. Lots of manipulation. Okay. Great. But so Johnny had come to the Fremen decision for the good of the tribe. Right. Right. And right. Paul and all, but also Paul is practically a god, and and Johnny has his mate, and she can't have a baby. She's got to feel awful. Yeah. After these twelve years, like everyone's expecting this, and I can't deliver. And this is all I really want, and I cannot have it. So she's she's also thinking about how do how can we alleviate this pain. Paul just studied the face of his beloved. 
It was the face he knew better than his own. When well, yeah, it's because he knew her before he knew her. Right. He was, ha- he was having dreams of her before he knew her name or that she existed. So Paul closed his eyes and Shawnee as the girl came to his memories. So perfect in every version of that every version of her consumed him. In his memory, she smiled, shyly at first, and then strained against the vision, as though she longed to escape. He's still inside his vision. Paul's mouth went dry. He could smell the smoke of another kind of vision from a devastating future screaming at him to disengage. So this is his prescience um, yelling at him. Right. Like there's something bad that is just there and everyone just doesn't want to be there. He had been eavesdropping on eternity for such a long while. Since the day of his first encounter with terrible purpose, he had peered into the future hoping to find peace. Do you remember the first time he encountered terrible purpose? No, not specifically. It has to do with his hand going in a... In the box? In the box. Oh. Yeah, ever since that moment, he's not had peace. Poor guy. There existed a way to peace, of course. He knew it by heart. He knew it. But there were strict instructions in him. Disengage, disengage, disengage. But what's he supposed to disengage from? Evan, what do you think his visions are trying to tell him he needs to do to maintain peace? Um, in, in reading this, it seems like he's supposed to disengage from this particular conversation with Chani, question mark. Okay. Um, I could be wrong. I almost always am. But, but you also have not read the book, so this is yeah. pure speculation. Well, like what it's what it seems to be saying is like, through all of Paul's visions and now he's like better at this. He's like, there is one way for there to eventually be peace. And he's like trying to like actively follow that way. And so that's why I thought, you know, like if he's hearing disengaged, then he has to like change the subject or like move on to something else and like follow the path that's going to lead eventually to peace. That's what it seems like. All right. All right, I like that. I like that. This, yeah, he's 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 got to change something, and he doesn't know what it is. Right. Paul opened his eyes to see Chani staring back at him. Something incredibly fremen had taken over Chani's thinking, which is now she's thinking as for the collective whole, not right. the herself. Right. Paul took her head in his hands and said, "You'll give me the only air I want." Chani asked. If he knows this because he's quote unquote seen it. Yeah. Like, all right, prove it, Mr. I can see the future. Am I the one that gives you the baby? Like we've been holding on hope for this long. Like, and if the future isn't telling you it, we obviously need to do do something else. Right. Paul wondered how to explain the delicacy of this Oracle timeline without number. The visions waved before him. Paul wasn't talking. He was just pondering. So Chani says, you've not seen it then. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Salty. Yeah. They're, they are an old married couple at this Right, point. yeah. <laughs> just a little little married married salt, wife salt. They just yeah. threw at him. 
Yeah. Paul wished he could see the future like that, but those vivid futures were only accessible to him when his life was at extreme risk with life draining effort. So I think that's, I think that's really good um, way to describe how Paul sees this or how the prescience fully takes over is in this extreme fight or flight moment, like the hand in the box. Yeah. That's when the whole thing goes full on. He knows how to get out of these situations. Yeah. But right now his life isn't in crazy at risk. Right. So he occupies one of these weird middle gray zones where everything is unchecked, restless, his emotions drift in and out. Johnny's now finished with his legs, covers up his legs and saying, an heir to House Atreides is not something you leave to a chance or to one woman. Which is also a very Fremen way of thinking about it. Right, because it, it said somewhere in this chapter that like Fremen women are used to being shared that sounds mean you know what i mean like they're, they're they're used to like the men having their way with whatever right that's right yeah yeah that in this chapter in this chapter right um we're about to get to that part okay 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 it's, so an heir to house of trades is not something you leave to chance or to one woman this struck paul this is something his mother might have said lady jessica benny jesuit trained to always think about the longevity of the sisterhood and the house they served. Right? That's why she had such mm-hmm. a bad time with Chani in, in Dune. Yeah. It's like we must preserve the house. And now here we are. Chani can't keep the house moving. Then Paul asked Chani if she'd listened to Irulan, come to Paul after her trip to Wallach. Like, all right, did you hear what happened between us? Chani said she did. Now there's a cut scene boop, of the conversation now between Paul and Irulan. Right. So Paul found himself in their big family room. Chani had left an unfinished robe on the loom, and someone had spilled unchanged spice essence on the rug, so the whole room smelled really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about this right now. Who would leave unchained spice essence? Who would do that? I don't know. Some uh, some Arakeen young living salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay. Who has the ability to change the spice essence? Well, Paul does. And you know what I'm thinking? Who does? Aaliyah does. She was Ooh. out there just taking a hit of the spice and just messing with stuff and just, just spi- being sneaky and just spilled some on. Like, oh, okay. You know, when you're like too high or too drunk, and you just right, don't know right. what you're doing, but you're trying to get one more in and spill everywhere. That this is my guess. Aaliyah what is definitely. she? Is she like in her twenties at this point? Yeah. In her, in her like teens, maybe. I don't know. Well, I, yeah. I did uh, not do math before I said that with my, my mouth. <laughs> no, okay. So she was three at the end of the last book, so twelve years. So she's like fifteen, but also she has all of the past memories. So she yeah. acts like so she's now just has a fifteen year old body and she's constantly trying to 
get high on the spice. She's still 15, though. And I think like having a hundred old ladies in your brain would just <laughs> like show you what you're supposed to be doing at 15. So she's like, let's no. get messed up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I bet you a bunch of old ladies had a 15 year old body again. They're like, let's go ham. <laughs> Let's go all out. Okay, so that's just my random side thought. I like it. I'm here for it. The room smells really bad. And she was gonna he was gonna call somebody up to clean this mess because it's bad luck to be have a conversation in a room that smells bad. Which, you know, hey. Um, and then Hera, Jameis's old wife, who Paul had won in battle, who is now still one of Stilgar's wives, which is what you were talking about earlier. Right. And Johnny's best friend. Stepped in the room to announce, da da da, Irulan. That's so awkward. Like, oh, of all people, I don't want you here. So now Paul is as stuck to having a meeting with his quote unquote wife in this room that smells rancid. <laughs> Hera left, and Paul said, Welcome. You've come to report that the sisterhood has lost its last vestige of morality. Like, in pure irony. Good, you've come to report from your trip that the Bene Gesserit suck. <laughs> no? Perfect. Don't come back until you do. Irulan wore a gray robe with whale fur and snapped back at Paul. Isn't it a bit dangerous to be that ridiculous? Paul rebuttal. Wow. You like the that? Ir the Irulan Valley Girl voice. I'm... <laughs> She's 100% a valley girl. Isn't it? Um, dangerous. Paul Rebuttal saying, to be dangerous and ridiculous. Hmm, a questionable alliance. Irulan already wants to pull away. She uses all of her Bene Gesserit skills to stay put. Paul notices this. Because she's bad at it. Because she's bad at it. <laughs> and of course, he's the Kismark Hedrick. He sees everything. So it's like, oh gosh. But he knows now that she's been tasked with something she doesn't want to do. Paul is now probing his memories of the prescient visions of the future. He doesn't see this moment. So he's like, okay, all right, nothing crazy. Irwan relaxes and makes a comment about the weather and how she wants it to rain, but Paul won't let it happen. Which I think is indicative of what their conversation is going. She wants it to, she wants Paul to do something that he's not doing for the betterment of everybody. So Paul says, you're not here to talk about the rain or the weather. Finally, Irulan just says it straight out, what she wants. I must have a child. Paul shakes his head from side to side. Irulan snaps at him. I must have a child my way. Irulan says that Paul doesn't even need to raise that child. She'll find somebody else. And Paul tells her, yeah, you can go find another man, but you're not going to have a child. Right. She, it gets like real serious because she's just being kind of whiny and like demanding of Paul of all people. And she goes, um, how can you stop me? And he, he says, I'd have you garroted if it came to that, which is like, I'll choke you out. I will yeah. choke you the F out. While you don't do what I say. While smiling. Like he like, he's like, He's like, bet. <laughs> bet I won't. You do it, I'll kill you with my bare hands and enjoy it. All right. Like, I want this. And to be honest, okay, 
pause. If he does kill her, she stops giving the contraceptive to Chani. They have a child. Right. Problem like, solved. Problem this solved. Is, this is Dr. Yui all over again. <laughs> yes, this is it. I'm glad you're catching these little what? things. Irulan is shocked. She says, but I'm your wife. Am I just a convenience? Paul yeah. said, <laughs> Paul says, like, I don't want to be cruel to you at all. But, but yeah, that's who you are. That's your, you're a convenience. But Irulan says, you don't want to be cruel, but you put her in this position and can't, won't deliver. Like, she's in this very weird position here. And Paul responds that he did not choose her for this. Fate chose her. Yeah. She was the daughter of the emperor, groomed by the Bene Gesserit, made for the task of having children, and he does not choose her for that. And I'm glad that there's a choice still in here. Personally, I'm glad that Paul's looking at this saying, no, no, I have a choice in this matter, and this is my choice. You're not going to fight me on it, because I'm the emperor. Paul says that it's her royal right to bear a royal heir. And her father, Paul interrupts her, saying how her father lost touch with his humanity and the people he's supposed to rule. Which I think is interesting because, look, Irulan gives him right back to him, says, was he hated less than you're hated? Which I think is a valid point. And Paul sees it as a valid point. Right. Yeah. A sardonic smile starts forming on Paul's face. Good question, he ponders. And I think I'm thinking back to one of the quotes in Dune where it's like, you need to have a sense of the sardonic if you're in this position. You need to right. know, you, you need to have be able to make fun of yourself. And Paul's like, oh yeah, he, he was hated. I'm kind of hated. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Paul then goes over the rules again with Irwan, probably for like the millionth time. <laughs> she, Andrew Floyd uh, on YouTube says, I hadn't made the Yui Irwan link, but damn. So good job, Evan. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. So Paul goes over the rules. She can have a lover, as many lovers as she want, as long as she's discreet about the relationships. And she is not allowed to have a child with any of them. Paul explains he was given this right when he smashed the Sardaukar in the plains of Arakeen when he became emperor. Irwan ends this conversation by saying, it's on your head then. And she turns around and leaves the chamber. chamber. That's so what that, she did before she walked out. Yeah. <laughs> like, like she's a little toddler just saying, yeah. name me, name me. <laughs> and that's that's the only conversation they had. Yeah. So now this is the conversation that Shawnee heard. So now we're back to Paul and Shawnee. Woo! And Paul reminds Shawnee that he'll never, never father a child with Irulan. Shawnee implies that they could just kill her, which would solve the problem. And then Shawnee asks, but don't you think a child would solve a problem with Irulan? Paul says, only a fool would think that. And Chani, in very wifely terms, reminds him that she's no fool. Yeah, <laughs> which is a, like a very, a very Fremen thing. You call me stupid, bro. 
I'm not stupid, bro. Don't call me stupid. Paul starts to get upset again, saying, this isn't some damn romantic novel. That princess in the other room was raised with all the nastiness of the imperial court and plotting, and plotting to her is as natural as writing her stupid histories. Yeah, he lost it. He lost his cool right there. Which is funny because we've been reading those stupid histories at the beginning of each chapter for so right. long. Right. That's what I, I was thinking about that. And now like seeing their interactions, it's like, why did she write such like grandiose things about Paul when she was like just miserable and like it's sad? It's a great question. Uh-huh. But like the quotes are like the great Muadi, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, real, I don't know. Maybe it's just a, pro- a properness thing, a propriety thing. I mean, Bronzo did say that this time in history produced more historians than anybody else. I think she was yeah. just trying to be the top at something. Yeah. Yeah. Because she, she wasn't the empress. She, uh, she had to be the best at something. So Chani tells Paul that the histories that Irwan is writing are not stupid. Paul starts to calm down, saying, she's probably right. The histories aren't stupid. But Paul does say, that woman has many plots within plots within plots. And if we give in to one of her ambitions, she will advance another. Can I just say, like, Paul is so relatable right now (laughs) to me anyway. I'm like, well, well, this, this stupid thing. And then my wife's like, it's not stupid. I'm like, okay, it's not stupid. You're right. <laughs> it's still just, like, you know, <laughs> I have those moments. And that's why we all need good women in our lives <laughs> to say, nah, uh, you're being a little crazy, but you're being a little dramatic there. Chani lays down next to Paul, placing her ne- her head on his neck. She says, they've come to the decision on how to fight you. Irwan reeks of secret decisions. So now we get into like, all right, we've had the conversation. We're having a baby. Right. It's not going anywhere. Let's move on to the next topic. You're right. Irwan smells awful. <laughs> she smells worse than when Aaliyah spilled the unchanged spice onto the, ca- onto the carpet. She reeks of secret decisions. And that, and with that, this terrible purpose brushed Paul again. The raging storm wins in his soul. So, of course, right, he's laying down. Chani's like cuddled up next to him. And in his head is like this raging storm of the terrible purpose around this moment. Right. Paul explains, even if he were to die now, his name would still lead armies of religious zealots. The Atreides name. I was chosen, Paul said. Then unchoose. Yeah. Which is so funny because we just had that conversation with Irovan where he was like, I'm not choosing you. Everyone else chose you for this moment. And Shawnee's basically saying the same thing to him. Right. Right. Because it's like, 
keeping Irlon around and the whole deal with Irlon in the first place is a very imperial thing. Yes. When it seemed like towards the end of the book, all that was happening was this like unlearning of imperial ways. Mm-hmm. And then the book, the Dune, the, the first book ends with like, and then he did something super imperial and became the emperor. Right. And now everything is imperial again. Yes. After all that like Fremen unlearning that he had to do. Yeah. Now he's back to that. And Chani is still like, bro, just like let her go away and like get rid of her. You're the friggin' emperor of everything. Just like at this. Yeah. You've decimated every planet in the Imperium. You don't need her anymore. Right. So unchoose, right? Yeah. Paul pulls his bride in close in time, beloved. Give me yet a little time. Which again reminds me of when he's trying to sort out how that jihad is not going to happen. He's like, just wait, just wait, just wait. I'm trying to figure it out. And then it happens anyways. Like he's still waiting. Wait, wait, wait. There's something I have to do. I don't know what. Yeah. Is it like, is it like back to the future? Not back to the future. That's a bad analogy. Like, uh, like, like the, the Thanos movies in Marvel where, if Doctor Strange told Tony what was going to happen, it wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that what's going on here? A little bit. Okay. Because, right, he's trying to see a future and actually have it work out, but he's also trying to find that path and he can't quite see it yet. So he's waiting for an opening for it to come and it's never come yet. Right. But, but yet his also terrible purpose is yelling at him to disengage. Like everybody's trying to leave. Yeah. And I think there's probably something in him that's also trying to leave, right? He starts this chapter wanting to be alone, not wanting to have this power, wanting to be normal, and yet he can't disengage from any of this. Yeah. So then they discuss returning to their first home, Sketch to Bar. Woo. Paul longed to retreat to this place, to retreat into the open sand. Paul thinks to himself, I never wanted to be a god. I only wanted to disappear like a jewel of trace dew caught by the morning. I wanted to escape the angels and the damned, and I wanted to do alone. Chani asked if they'll return to Sietch. Muhadib, she says, belongs to the tribe, and the tribes want Muhadib back. So you can imagine how, like, there are these two Fremen now who have popped up. Mm-hmm. There are the crazy old Fremen that still live in the desert. And now you have city Fremen who have rose the ranks up to the Jihad and have become, if we'll accumulated, accumulated wealth. They've seen oceans. They've seen other animals. They know this other way of life. And there's these two different sections. Ah. And now the tribes want Muhadib back. Then one, like you were saying, who had learned the Fremen ways, who had de- unlearned all this Imperial knowledge She's saying, let's go back to that. Right. Okay. So the city Fremen are like empire Fremen. They're like imperial Fremen. Yes. They're the ones who've beaten. Yeah. All bureaucracy is now run by them. Oh, dang. We're about to meet a bunch of them. So yeah, you're, there's, it's going to be awesome. Okay. Okay. So Paul agrees in that he, needs to pay for the price of his actions. 
He see now that he's been hemmed in by the boundaries of love and the jihad, or as Evan says, the wild yeehaw. The wild yeehaw. This life needed to end. As much as he wanted to run away, he knew the jihad or the religion would follow his ghost. Paul even thinks how he wants to renounce his own religion just to be free. Like He's going to renounce the religion of which he is the God. Yes. He's like, I'm not it. Run away. Stop. This is not it. This is not it. You were made to believe that this is a thing. (laughs) It's not a thing. Johnny, while waiting for Paul to respond to her question, remember she's asked one question, can we go back? And he's like, all in his head. She says that there was a big worm spotted below the shield wall, and rumor is it's summoning Muhadib to come back to the desert. Paul was then caught in an Adab moment, the moment from his earliest prescient moment where there are vision within vision. Yes. Are you just going to skip over this like cute moment that just happened? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> she says that. It's like they say the worm came to summon Muadib back home to the desert and then apparently Paul just goes <clears throat> <laughs> she's like don't lie for me and hits no. him yeah very romantic comedy moment <laughs> they're an old married couple yeah he's like <clears throat> yeah okay oh, okay all right yeah, yeah. sure babe sure thing babe <laughs> I'll tell you about rumors I can see the future <laughs> Symbols. Gosh, what do you know? I've made a religion. (laughs) Johnny again tries to shake Paul out of his trance, saying, you're angry because I went to the desert's edge. Paul shook his head without speaking. He's still being gripped by terrible purpose at this time. And Johnny's just explaining that she wants a child so badly that she'll try anything. Paul is still entranced, thinking about how he's succumbed to the lure of Oracle. All right? He gets he got obsessed with seeing the future. Right. And maybe the Oracle didn't tell the future. Maybe the Oracle made the future. And somehow he trapped himself there. And then in his mind popped in a Bene Gesserit axiom. To use raw power is to make yourself infinitely vulnerable to greater powers. I feel like that's a line you would see that Thanos would say or something. Right. That's some, that's some good juice. Yeah. When you use this raw power, it opens yourself up to something much, much worse. Paul is just trying to beat. Wait. Uh, Paul is just in this vision. Still, he's caught in this vision. Yeah. And Chani is pleading with Paul, saying that she just wants a child and that's not a terrible thing. And at this point, Paul like sees her and caresses her arm, but then gets up and walks away to the balcony window. He saw the old, the now royal garden below him, but now he saw it with Fremen eyes. All that precious water. And how some Fremen, probably the outskirts of the Fremen, the one in the old sieges, hated Muhadib because he changed the old ways. As Muhadib remade the planet's landscape, human resistance increased, which is odd because he makes their life easier and they fight him on it. 
he starts to think even if he did succeed in creating an oasis planet on Arrakis, how would the people hate him? And if he and if he subjected the entire universe to the same treatment, how would those people react? Abruptly, he closed the drapes, sealed the ventilators, and turned towards Chani in the darkness. He could only hear the sound of her water rings. He reached out to her. Beloved, she whispered, have I troubled you? As they embraced, he said, not you. Oh, not you. <laughs> That's the end. That's the end of chapter three. They uh, probably make love after that and try to make another baby and it doesn't work. <laughs> so, gosh, I just want them to be happy. <laughs> For which real. Is, which is why Anna got you the sandworm to cuddle at night when you realize that this is, you just want them to be happy and it's not working. They're never going to be happy. It's not going to be happy. There's going to be no happiness. For those of you who have read the book, gosh, this chapter had so much foreshadowing in it, didn't it? Um, we're not going to go. Into oh, it, okay. There was so much. I just, I'm trying to do my best to just point it all out there to you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, Evan, you want to give any updates on what's happening to reading Dune? Um, I have, I, I have, I want to give cryptic updates. I've been working on something uh, um, very cool that has to do with reading Dune. Mm. Um, that is very cool, and you're gonna like it a lot. I think. I hope you're gonna like it a lot. But we'll probably talk about that more later next next week. Dun, dun, dun. So make sure Put you a pop timeline in. on it. Next I like week. that. Bring people back is so they can continue to read Dune with us. Yeah. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash reading dude. Make sure you follow on Twitter. Email us at reading dune at gmail.com. I still love getting emails. Yes. Um, it is so much fun to see where you guys are at and how you're experiencing the show. So send us an email, whether you've liked it and how I've butchered all of your interpretations and you hate me now. That's cool too. Yeah, um, <laughs> so as always, stay spicy, my friends. We'll see you in the next chapter. Peace.